Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. I want to start with um, something that is happening to me right now. I mean presently. So some of my listeners live in the same neighborhood that I live in. And we are all aware that there is something going on here. This is not just happening to me, but a few people who are aware and who live in my very same neighborhood. There are things happening here that we cannot explain. And this is not anything new because it's actually been going on since these houses were first built. This is, uh, let me see, these houses are probably about, oh, 14 years old now. And it's been happening from day one. So what's happening to me right now is in my closet in the master bedroom, there's a walk-in closet there. And they're pretty big. They're really pretty good-sized closets. And recently, I bought this, um, it's like a mailbox thing. It's for Christmas. And it's a Santa's mailbox. And it's a light-up thing. You plug it in and you turn it on and it lights up. It's kind of like that plastic, but it's known as blow mold. So I have it in my closet so that, um, well, I'm not going to put it up in the storage right now because we're getting ready for Christmas. And so um, that's why it's in my closet. So anyways... No one goes in my side of the closet where I have my clothes and I have buckets in there or those um, plastic containers with clothes in them and all this and that. No one goes there. That's all my stuff. And yet, every time I go in that closet, that thing has been, that um, Santa's mailbox has been turned around in a different way. So it's probably about four feet tall, maybe a little taller. And it's standing like on a pedestal. I don't touch that thing. I have no reason to turn it around. It's not like it's being moved out of its spot. But the part that, like the front of it will be facing me sometimes as I walk in the closet door. And then sometimes the, the front of it will be facing the wall or the side, I just noticed this, like, well, I've been noticing this for the past couple of weeks, like since I got it. So this morning I went in there and now it's facing a different direction. And I said, what in the heck is going on here? So it's like it's swiveling because the base of it has not moved. It's just as, like the, the thing is swiveling around to face different directions. And it's totally noticeable. You can't mistake it. I don't know what the, you know, what is the moral of the story here. I just know it's happening. And it may seem kind of lame, like, well, that's a lame type of deal, whatever. And it is. But there is always a reason. And that, to me, is what we, well, what I call attention getter. So something's getting my attention that this thing is able to be manipulated. So, you know, and, and that's, that's that. But also remember that that is the closet 
where I decided to go and sleep one night where I, I woke up and came face to face with that thing. So um, I, I can't tell you if there is an agenda and if there is what the agenda could be. All I know is that that little Santa mailbox is being moved around. Some of you may say, well, if that's the only thing that's happening, well, you should be happy. Well, yeah, you know, it's like one of those things. It may be like, um, it, it's attention getting. It catches your eye. And I haven't said anything about it. This is the first time that I've spoken up about it. And um, I'm, I'm not going to mention anything about it to my husband. I just, just uh, I notice it and I will just keep eye on it. But that, that's really it. And the reason that I bring up the, some of the others who live in this neighborhood is because some people who live around here are having intense activity in their houses. I mean, where I have had experiences on a personal level, they are having intense activity happen in their house where everyone is being affected and or has been affected. So why, I really, I really don't know because I've, we've, we've um, kicked this around before that uh, there's nothing that I know of that these properties are, these houses are built on. There's nothing like, uh, you know, the cemetery and all that stuff, the graveyard. But uh, like I've mentioned before, this was pretty much in the middle of nowhere years back. And it was a halfway point to many different locations, San Diego, Los Angeles, and then we're right by San Bernardino and we're right by Riverside. So all of the bigger major cities, we were and still are pretty pretty much in, in the center of all of these places. And so I know that there were probably a lot of meetups here in this area, a lot of deals, maybe some of them gone bad, maybe uh, murders. And we, I recall um, years ago hearing about people like out in the 29 Palms area that were caught trying to bury others out there because there's not a whole lot going on out there. It's desert. It's not like there are a whole bunch of people wandering around out there like in a metropolis. So every once in a while, they would catch people out there digging holes for graves. And I believe that that's probably one of the things that happened out here years ago before it started growing and before all these houses were built. And that may be why we have so much going on here. But it ranges from really nothing, maybe just uh, annoying type of things happening to things that are a lot more sinister. And I told you before that I have been physically attacked in this house more than once by something unseen. And I have had many experiences in this house. And well, that's that's really all I've got about that. And I just wanted to bring that up today about that being moved, being turned around this way and that way.
these things just continue and it's it is just a part of my life of uh, this kind of stuff happening but i'm not mentioning it like i'm not telling my husband about it or anything like that all right well with that being said remember the story i was telling you guys about like my dad when he would like to go to the coffee house and drink coffee after midnight and then uh, the time when he was walking home from the coffee house and he said that there was this tall thing walking next to him that knew his name. Well, someone contacted me and they had a similar story to this type of thing. And she says that when she was young and she lived in uh, L.A. County, her and her friend, they would, like her friend would spend the night and they would sneak out of the house at night and go walking or go to wherever, other friends' houses and this and that. She said they were about like 15, 16 years old. And they would do that once in a while. So she says that one night they snuck out and they were walking down the street and it was night. She said it's probably about 10 p.m. They were walking down the street and they were going to one of their friend's house. And all of a sudden, she said it was like this thing was, because they didn't know what it was. This was totally unfamiliar to them. There was like this thing. She said it was like a tree at first it was like one of the trees uprooted itself and started walking next to us. It was a tall, she said, tree. Also, it's happened so many years ago. This happened to her in the, the 70s. This happened in the 1970s. And she said, it's happened so many years ago. I don't remember if there was any type of... Uh, face or anything, she said, but it was so disturbing. She's like, I, I would like to think that if there was something like a face attached to this thing that I would have remembered. And I do not remember anything like that. But anyways, it was like it was a tree and it was dark. This thing was not light or light colored. And it began talking to them. And at first she heard it and she looked at her friend and her friend said, it knows your name. But then the this thing mentioned her friend's name also. And they started screaming and running down the street. So when they were running and then when they would stop and catch their breath and they were totally scared, it's like whatever tree they were standing by because they were in a neighborhood, trees all over the place. It would like pick up the, what it was saying. So these type of things, she's, she's like, it couldn't have been somebody playing a joke on us because they would have had to have been in each tree. Somebody would have had to have been up there in each of these trees. So what that was, it happened so long ago. She told me the area where this happened. And I usually am not uh, really quick to tell people what I think it is. I have to really think about these type of things first. Because while it's similar 
And the similarities between this story and my dad's is like they were both these tall things. But my the one my dad saw was like a white color, he said. And it was like, uh, it was kind of like see-through-ish looking and like gossamer. And this was described as a tree and it was dark, like a tree trunk. And they saw nothing up in the tree at first when they're looking, you know, because it could be a joke being played on you, especially when you're a teenager, you know, and there's some boy up there just messing with you. But as they ran, this continued. So that tells me that, no, they were not, this was not a prank. This was a, a real experience that uh, there's no real explanation for. This isn't the first time that I've heard people mentioning things about trees either. And if you want to um, look at this in a, um, you know, like a conspiratorial type of way, we're always told that whatever the dark side plans to do, they have to let us know before they do it, whether it is right out there. It usually is. And it's usually in some kind of code or almost subliminal. Well, the thing that I always think about when people tell me these stories, especially ones that have to do with trees, is that movie, The Wizard of Oz. When they're walking down that yellow brick road and they stop and they pick an apple from one of the apple trees. And that apple tree all of a sudden starts talking and gets all mad and saying, how would you like it if somebody picks something off you and then starts throwing apples at them? And I understand it's a a silly movie, but is it? Because when I look at that movie, I was always thinking, what was this person smoking who made this? See, these things have to come from somewhere. So there may be some sort of connection here. You're, the things that you can imagine, especially like a, people who write movie scripts, people who write books, there has to be a catalyst for the things that they write. You don't just, uh, in my opinion anyways, you're, you're not just able to have this huge imagination and this huge writing style like Stephen King. There had to have been a spark to ignite that flame, that fire. And it could have been something very, what we would think is insignificant. And it doesn't take a lifetime of experiences. It takes one experience to to get that fire going. And then from there, you can have this big imagination. Because then your mind is, is like awake to all these possibilities, which are endless. So when I see that, when I hear these people about the trees 
I wonder if the person who wrote this may have had an experience similar to that or heard about that, heard about those type of experiences. Because how do, how do you explain that? I mean, let, let's break away from that Wizard of Oz stuff right now. But how do you explain people? And I mean, this is not just one time. This is something that I'm not going to say it happens frequently. But I have heard more than a few stories about trees communicating with people. So what is it? How do we explain this? And when we think about it, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay, mine was at first joking. Somebody's playing a trick. The other thing that came into my mind was somebody needs to put the pipe down. Okay? Like my grandfather, when he had that experience... Well, he was walking through the park and he was uh, probably pretty, pretty drunk. But the thing about that is many of us have been drunk, but it doesn't cause us to hallucinate. See, that's, that's a, a whole different type of high. Being drunk doesn't cause you to hallucinate unless maybe somebody has put something in there. But all in all, and what my grandfather would do is because he played in a band, he's walking home from after his uh, his gig, and he says, he, he started talking about the king of the forest. And he says that the tree spoke to him. And he never retracted that story. See, that was the first story I ever heard about anything like this. He never said, well, you know what? I did drink like 10 beers that night, so maybe. No, he never, ever second-guessed this experience. And I believe him. He said this tree spoke to him and he, the tree said to him, where are you going, Joe? And let me tell you something. He said he wasn't, he wasn't so drunk anymore after that. So this, this type of phenomenon is nothing that's new. But what is it? I, I mean, I know that trees are alive. It's a lot different than uh, maybe the lamppost speaking to you because that is just a, you know, it's that is not a living thing where a tree is. But um, to say that it's not possible, well, there are more than a few stories that tell me that it is not only possible, but it has happened. And continues. So this is a story that was shared with me. And thank you so much for sharing this story. Um, and while it's not like my dad's, this is more like my grandfather's. This is something that 
yeah, I, I have heard similar things. And now with this, there were two people that heard this and experienced this, not just one. So with one of them, you may be able to say certain things and debunk it. But when it happens to two people and they both hear it and experience it, that makes it a little more difficult. And she says, you know, her and her friend, they would do that. They would go and sneak out and go to their friends or whatever, but they weren't getting high. She said, we weren't drinking. We weren't the type of kids that were doing that. We would just like like to sneak out and go and hang out with with friends at their house. So like their friend's parents were all there. I, I kind of like these um, type of stories because while they're not really, really creepy, and the only reason I can say this is because I have never experienced this personally. Maybe if I had that experience, I would say different. But to the people who have had this experience, I'm pretty sure that it may be kind of creepy to them. So I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them with that. I'm not, I'm not trying to anyways. But that's, that's just um, another, another one of those things that we cannot explain. The other thing that I wanted to um, share with you is I know that sometimes while we are researching certain things, if we are really, really getting into it, it's been known that we may, um, for whatever reason, have experiences or have encounters with the very things that we are researching. It's said by some people that, for example, now, for example, you're researching, um, the black eyed kids, that you may have an encounter with them because they know that you're really getting into this research and they don't like it. I don't know if this is true. They don't, you know, that they don't like it part. And I do know the also that uh, there have been many people who have come out and said, yes, I was looking into this and that, and I was really getting into my research, and it was almost consuming them. And when I say that, I mean they weren't looking at any other subjects but that one. So it's like if I'm researching the Black Eyed Kids and I'm not looking at anything else. Every day I go out there and I'm researching Black Eyed Kids, Black Eyed Kids, and really that is my focus. And I i mean, I really don't know, guys, and how these, these uh, things know, how are they made aware that you're doing this? That's another thing. I believe it's probably the energy that you're putting out there and whatever these things are made of, they're picking up on it and that's how they know. I was listening one time to Art Bell and he was talking about shadow people and he was telling the story about how he had never had an encounter with these beings. But he was out there and he said, I was doing some real research and looking into this phenomenon and he said that one walked in to his... uh 
studio where he was doing this research. He said it was very unnerving for him. He had never had that experience before. But yet there he was, almost face-to-face with one of these things. So it's my own belief that it's that energetic wave that we put out there during things like this that cause these things to come to you because they can somehow get that. They get that wave. They get that vibration and it leads them to you. It also, though, says something to me that perhaps when you are getting close or too close to some sort of knowledge or information about these things, that's when they will find you. That's when you may have an encounter because I'm, I'm not going to say they get mad about it, but maybe they just don't want you to gain too much knowledge about them. And that's when you will have that encounter and somehow maybe they'll be able to frighten you from continuing on. That's how I perceive it. You may have a different idea, but um, that's how I see it. And I know someone who is actually doing research on some uh, activity that was happening near where the place where he lives. And it's the same type of thing. He was really getting into this research. Like he was doing some hardcore stuff. And it was uh, where he lives. He has a workshop out on his property. And he was in there and he said he would be out there because he would go to work, come home from work, eat his dinner, and then he was right in his workshop doing his research. So he would be out there probably till almost midnight. He said just about every night. On most nights, he would be out there. And this one particular night, He's out there, and he has he had, at the time, two big dogs. I think he had, like, Rottweilers or something like that out there. And he said, if anyone were going to come onto the property or anything like that, they would alert him. They would bark. So he's in that workshop. He's doing his research. And all of a sudden, he felt a cold hand on the back of his neck. And he jumped up and he turned around and there's nothing there. But yet, he said, it was not my imagination. I felt that cold hand right on the back of my neck. He said, I didn't hear anything before that happened. I didn't get any type of feeling before that happened. But after that After he got up real fast and turned around and looked around, and then he went to the door, he opened the door, looked outside, but all the while, he made making a mental note that there was a latch on the door. You could latch it from the inside. He said the latch was still down, and I would have heard it. Who can open this latch from outside? 
there was nothing to be seen. But after that incident, after that cold hand feeling on the back of his neck, he said, I distinctly felt a presence. So he packed everything up. He closed everything up, his laptop and all that stuff, grabbed his papers, put them in the drawer, and went inside. And then he was reluctant to go back out there the next night and the next. And that's what I believe the agenda was. It's to get you to stop. It's to frighten you so that you don't do that anymore. So maybe it's when you're getting too close. And that's what I think was happening here. Because when you're going out there, when you work all day and then go out and you're doing this research, every just about every night, you got to be getting close to something. And the more, the more knowledge you're gaining on a certain subject makes you want to go out there and do that research. If you're not getting anything and you're just like at a dead end and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I'll pick it up maybe later on because I'm getting nothing here. You become discouraged. But when you are out there and you're really you, you know, getting something and you feel like, man, this is like, I'm getting ready to bust this thing wide open. Well, that's when whatever and whoever would want you to stop. And that's not only in the paranormal world, that's just about everywhere. That's within everything. Not only a cult, but, you know, a cult means hidden and these things are hidden for a reason. It's not supposed to be out there. It's not supposed to be known by every single person. So these things are meant to be hidden by whoever created them. There are things called forbidden knowledge. And a lot of these things would be under that category. A lot of occult practices, activities, things like this would all be under the umbrella of hidden, forbidden knowledge. So there's a, there's a ton of it also. It doesn't just begin and end with uh, people seeing things and hearing things and what have you. There is like a ton of stuff that is forbidden. And some of it is maybe considered forbidden for a reason. I um, would like to say that I actually prefer the term hidden because you can't really forbid knowledge. You can forbid practices. You can forbid engaging in certain things, but the knowledge, how can you forbid that? It would be hidden. Because if we are meant to learn certain things, 
we're going to learn them. The ones who would like to forbid it are the ones who are really into the practice of it. They don't want it to go mainstream. And the practice shouldn't go mainstream. But the knowledge of it, of its existence, should be. We should all know about it. So um, anyways, guys, that's about all I've got for right now. I'm going to, well, I won't be able to be back until Friday. And then I'm going to tell you about some things that are going on, not in my neighborhood, but in some of the others that are not too far from where I live. We'll be talking a little bit about that and um, some of the the other um, listener submissions. I will um, share some of those with you. And thanks, everybody, who um, submits your stories. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I try to get them as much as I can, as many as I can, I try to get them out there. But sometimes I end up talking so much, I'm not able to. I'm trying to control myself, though. I hope I'm doing a little bit better at least. Sometimes I know that I go off on left field and this and that. But like I always tell you guys, when it's not scripted, I mean, especially me, I'm that person, like I always tell everyone, you don't want to sit next to me on a plane because I'm just nonstop talker. I know it. I've had people. (laughs) This is not a spooky story, okay? I'm just going to share this with you anyways. I was on a plane one time and I was sitting next to this man and I don't like to fly. So anyways, I started talking. I, I guess I was nervous talking at this time. So this man is trying to read. I don't know what it was, a newspaper, whatever. He's trying to read, but I wasn't going to let him, okay? I wasn't going to give him any peace. So finally, he folded up his whatever he was reading and just gave me all of his attention. And I knew that I was disturbing him. But I really, at the time, okay, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was nervous. And... I knew that uh, he wanted to read, but I wasn't having any of it. I had to talk, and there was no one else next to me. It was like there was only him and I on that on that seat. There was no third person. But he was very tolerant, and he was very kind because he was speaking with me, and uh, he knew I was nervous, and that was actually on a plane ride that became very bumpy and jarring. And then he started telling me how when you're on a smaller plane and you feel it much more and the wind shear, and he was just telling me about all this stuff. And um, I was really thankful for that. And um, I had an experience on that plane that I'll never forget. And this was actually... At a time where people used to be able to smoke on the plane, okay? They would put you like in the back and people were smoking at this time. This was like in the 80s. So on this flight, 
we were flying over some part of Texas. I don't remember where it was. And I was really young. I wasn't even 21, okay? So we're flying and the plane starts shaking. It's like a giant got the plane in his hand and started shaking it. And the overhead compartment things started opening up and stuff started coming out of them. Then we lost altitude and that was bad enough. But when one of the flight attendants actually screamed, I just knew we were goners because these people fly every day. They fly all the time. And she screamed. So I just knew that we were going to all die that day. So finally, the plane, the pilot, he got the plane under control and all this and that. And all the while, that man next to me is very calm and he's talking. So when the, when the flight attendant screamed, I didn't scream, but I was just knew anyways that, okay, well, we're all going to die here. So, you know, and after it was all over, there were a couple of flight attendants and some man, I don't know who he was. For all I know, it was that man who was sitting next to me because I was in shock by that time. He, they came, they unbuckled my seatbelt and they took me to the back of the plane where the drinkers and smokers were and they put me in a seat, put my seatbelt and someone asked me if I smoke and I didn't smoke, but they gave me a cigarette and then they gave me a drink. So I must have turned all different kinds of colors during our ordeal. I'm telling you, this is a real thing. They really did this. So I had a cigarette in one hand and a drink in the other. And I wasn't even 21. Well, I don't really remember what I did with that cigarette. I might have taken a puff off of it. I don't know. I guess I figured, well, shit, we may die here today. So I might as well go ahead and smoke. And I know I I drank that drink. I probably just chugged it all in one swallow. And I remember those, there were mostly men who were sitting back there in that smoking section and they all had a look on their face looking at me like, are you okay? So if I would have had a mirror, who knows what I would have looked like. I know I just, uh, you know, talking right now, but it's just a story, just something that I experienced I wanted to share with you guys. But uh, I can laugh now, but then I wasn't laughing. But anyways, guys, uh, thanks for joining me. And I'll be back on Friday and we'll talk about some stuff. I'm not going to tell you about my plane ride experience, okay? I'm done with that. But thank you so much, everybody. Have a great uh, three days, two, three days, whatever it is. All right? All right. I'll talk to you guys all soon. Ciao.